Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Strive for Strength podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Strample, otherwise known as Fears to Fit, and I am a fitness and business enthusiast, and I'm bringing you the stories of not only myself, but other incredible human beings to help educate you on all things personal development, business, health, and mindset, so that as millennials, we can mobilize our generation and rise. So before we hop into today's episode, I have a little resource that I want to share with you guys that I've actually been using recently and has helped me and my business so much. So I started using what's called Great Ad. It's instant websites to sell your products, services, and tickets. It's free to create a profile that gives you mobile first website for your customers to visit. So you know that little link that you put in your Instagram bio? This is going to condense everything that you want to show to your audience, whether you be a business owner or just looking to create more of an impact on your profile. I absolutely love this app. It also allows my clients to leave testimonials for me, which has been absolutely amazing for my business. So if you're looking for something that's going to help you with your business, put all of your stuff in one place together. Great at is absolutely amazing. So I'm going to leave a link down in the description for you guys to check it out. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Strive for Strength podcast today. I'm super excited because I have Daniel G on here with me, and he is here to give you guys some awesome insight. He is a master at sales and helping other people conquer their businesses by teaching others how to master sales. So Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. Cool. Cool. So Daniel, I would love for you to kind of start off by um, telling me and telling the audience really who you are and what you do and who you serve. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I mean, I always like to give some background context around my story rather than just jumping into it and being like, Oh, I have this sales agency and I teach high ticket sales. Um, I grew up as a conversation we just had, I grew up in Canada and I grew up in a small city called Mississauga, which is growing now. And at a very young age, uh, my parents split up and I think everybody in life sort of goes through like that light bulb moment. And mine happened like that aha moment happened at a very young age for me. Uh, My parents were 13 years old. My parents split up. They were both working two jobs and I can remember the day when I went to my dad one day and I wanted to purchase some goods at a grocery store. There was candies. They were called wine gums. I put the candy down on the conveyor belt. My dad looked at me after they just got divorced. He's like, you're not getting that candy. Go put it back on the shelf. And that was literally my, like some people's light bulb moments have to be fucking crazy. Like they have to get a divorce. They have to go through some crazy shit. For me, that, that moment when my dad said, you're not buying that 87 candy, I'm not buying it for you. That was the moment in my head where I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to have to fend for myself. I'm going to have to do everything myself. If he's not going to get me the 87 skin, it's candy. How am I going to get like, how am I going to take the girl on Friday out to the movies for 20 bucks? He's not going to front me the 20 bucks. So I went home to my tech brother that day and I'm like, hey, listen, Steve, um, dad's not going to give a shit. And I just feel it now. And we were living with my dad at the time. I said, so why don't we just start burning CDs, illegal CDs? And we started flipping, we started burning CDs on this website called Kaza Light. And we started like buying them for a buck and then selling them for $5, uh, three for 10. And I was a kid, like anything I can get my hands on during like high school and elementary school, I was freaking selling. I got into a dark period of my life, um, at the age of 19, which was university. And the reason why I was saying that was like my dark period of life is because I was used to making thousands of dollars, um, at a very young age, selling items, like doing lawnmower services and things like this. And then I get into university and I'm in university and a prof tells me, if you want to make six figures coming out of this program, you're probably in the wrong place in the wrong program. And I'm looking at this guy saying like, that's nuts. Like, what does this guy mean? Like I'm in university. Like somehow I got into university and now I thought that like, I only got into university because of a financial burden. And now this guy's telling me you can't make six figures coming out of this place and program. 
So I'm like, wait, this whole thing's flawed. Everybody told me to go into university to make money. So I look at my girlfriend at the time and said, babe, um, I'm dropping out. So if you want to make love, let's do it right now in the lecture hall. Cause I'm bouncing and I'm never seeing you again. And she, she's like, where are you going? I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta go. Let's make love right now. Cause I'm never seeing you again. We had kids in the lecture hall. No, that never happened. But, um, I went back home. I'm like, Steve, I just dropped out of university. I'm 19 years old at this time. And I said, let's just apply to a thousand sales jobs. So I applied to every single sales job and, uh, I landed a medical device sales job. So I was selling medical on the road for about three and a half years. Uh, medical device sales equipment. I was like the youngest medical rep to ever be hired in North America. I was living the freaking dream, bought two cars, two houses. I was buying all the bottles for my friends at clubs and everything like this. And I was just working 24 seven. And then I realized that, um, achievement in life to me, um, which this is to everybody, by the way, there's rules and fundamentals to achievement. And it came like really simple for me. And I was never going to struggle to make a dollar because I knew how to sell things. And I'm like, achievement is easy. The problem was fulfillment was very difficult within my career because I'm like, wait, getting money is easy. And the more money I made, it didn't increase my levels of happiness. I actually had more anxiety at points. I, I, I always, every time I made a hundred thousand, like, let me make one fifty. let me make two fifty. let me make three fifty. So it was a constant level of game. And, um, I was in San Diego, oddly enough, when I started making the jump to entrepreneurship from a sales rep, um, I was on stage collecting one of my awards for sales. Like you go up, it's like a Grammy and you're like, yeah, thanks for the award. And then for like three minutes and then I sit down and we have like a thousand sales reps in San Diego. And I was like the top producer and that was the most stage time I'm ever getting like the most like, um, shine time in front of everybody. And then I see this guy that they hired for one hour. He was motivating like the whole crowd sales training us and doing all this fun stuff. He was a motivational speaker. And I'm like, that's the fucking guy I want to be. I want to be that guy on stage rather than just sitting down here with like some nice freaking watch when I'm 60 years old and my kids are in private school and like, you know, I have this big, beautiful, I don't want to be that guy. Like nobody knows your name. I want to be that guy lighting people up, leaving a legacy. So right after I went to that guy, I'm like, dude, what is it that you do? And he said like, yeah, like I'm a sales trainer. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm like, so how did you get into this? And I started, cause I was really curious at times, by the way, when I just dropped curious, if anybody here um, doesn't know what they want to do, or they want to move into a field and they, they don't really know where to navigate it, and they're kind of lost. And people are like, all these coaches are like, you know, go follow your purpose and go follow your passion. I get it. Like it's super fluffy and it's hard to find what you want to do. And if you're lost, trying to find your purpose and passion is really fucking difficult. I would say do one thing, go back to what you're curious in because curiosity always propels you towards the future. Like when you're curious about things, you start hunting naturally for the answers. Like you're, it's like the curious cat in the bag. Like the cat always like looking to do, like you always naturally level up when you're curious about things. So go back to what you're curious in and what you think you could be good at. It's the easiest way to find something that you like. Like turns into maybe love. Love turns into passion and purpose. So go back to what you're curious in. Anyways, fast forward. Um, I quickly, I'm like, this is what I want to do. I built out a sales training platform on the side. And as that picked up momentum, I started leaving my corporate sales job and started building out my whole sales training university. I built that up in January, 2017. We had a great run in 2017. And then I branched out into a sales agency teaching high ticket sales training. What that means is for coaches and consultants that want to sell a service program or offer of over 3000 bucks online, they either, if they either want to get trained by our company, I could train them by our company, or if they need a closer that they need help closing their high ticket deals, I can also provide them a high ticket sales rep. So that's a model we have today. And yeah, I also pause one more thing. Cause I don't like saying things without context around them before I stop this. 
I also said, while I was building my business and I was working, a lot of people are like, when do I make the jump from entrepreneurship to full time? And there's, I always get this question anyways through Instagram. So I'm going to clarify it right now on Kendall's amazing podcast. I, the moment you make the jump is this one, when you have developed something and you at least have two to three sales comes in, come coming into your program. That means people are interested in investing into your program with their wallets. Number one, number two, I would say at least save six to eight months worth of burn rate for your expenses. So two to three sales, you have an offer, two to three sales come in and you have at least six to eight months worth of expenses saved up. That's a good, that's a good benchmark to be like, you know what? Maybe I can do this thing. Maybe I can build off momentum and make, maybe I can make the jump. Other than that, don't make the jump. If you're like a month worth of expenses and your expenses are 6,000 bucks a month and that's all you have saved up kind of stupid to make the jump, whether it's fulfilling, whatever the case is, you don't want to end up on the street. So anyways, that's my story. Amazing. Amazing. And I was actually going to ask you about that jump that you made. Um, I know it's really one of those things that's super fearful. Like you said, leaving university, literally I was the same age as you when I took that move. And, um, you know, obviously with you making your, your sales training and, and your business and, and finally making that like the full-time thing. Um, that's incredible. And I, I have to ask you because I didn't even ask you, but how old are you now? 25. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that was one thing I really wanted to touch on. Um, as far as it goes with you being, you know, as successful as you are at, at such a young age, um, if you have like really one piece of advice that you could kind of give people as far as it goes with credibility, you know, really just taking the leap, um, what would that really be for you? And like, what really helped you to take that leap? Yeah. I mean, at a very, so what's difficult at a very young, especially like, um, dropping out of university, number one, that's difficult with family members around you. Like, Whoa, dang, got into university and now he's dropping out. What the heck? And that was number one. That was difficult. I'm going to lead this into like two seconds why I'm talking about this. And then number two was when I was like 23 and I'm like, yo, I'm done completely or 22 and a half. And my mentor always says I'm young when I used to have some of your age. Um, so 22 and a half, when I made the jump from sales to entrepreneurship, it's also freaking difficult because you're like, Whoa, dang, you had such a great freaking job. You're in medical sales, making over like a quarter million dollars a year. What the fuck are you doing getting into like entrepreneurship? Like, are you nuts? So the biggest struggle, first of all, the biggest challenge was getting over the hurdle of the opinions of other people around me, like friends and family. And I think the highest form of maturity is becoming independent of other people's opinions around you. The highest form of maturity is becoming independent of other people's opinions around you, especially the opinions of other people that have the result that don't have the results that you want. So that was very, that was very difficult. And it's difficult. I know for the young people that are watching this podcast, it's very easy to look around you and your friends being like, yo, what are you up to? What are, and it's very easy to be like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not ready, but I always look. So number one, where I get my advice from, um, from a tip is I started to get good mentors around me and understand like, wait, who are the people that have the results that I want? And let me stop taking from the advice from the wrong people. And let me start taking the advice from the right people. And many people in life listen to people like many people in life, listen to the wrong people and don't listen to the right people. Many people in life, listen to the wrong people and don't listen to the right people. Like you should not be getting business advice from your mother, your brother, and your best friend. It's like the, even though you love them and all they want to see you, like they just want to see you happy they don't know what's best interest for your business and like how to structure it out and how to monetize your online coaching and how to start your bit. Like they don't know how to do it. Have they ever done it? No. Like most people try to point you in a direction where they never been themselves. 
I always say like most people in your life are like travel agents. They show you where to go, but never been there themselves. They're like, Oh yeah, go to Japan. It's beautiful. And then you turn to the travel agent and you're like, yeah. So how many times have you been to Japan? And they're like, well, thanks pal. Your advice is not needed. Like take the results, take the advice from the people that have the results that you want. Um, and I got really like in depth into that in a very young age. Like I surrounded myself a lot around a lot of great mentors that built the business that I want to freaking build. So if you're a fitness person right now and you're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and you're trading your time in for money at the gym and you're like, well, how do I get out of this? Don't go to the fucking manager at your gym and be like, Hey, so, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, doing some online fitness coaching and maybe create some courses and really scale out my time. Dude, the guy's still training his time in for money at the gym. Why are you going to go ask him? He doesn't have the results that you want go online and find somebody that actually created the business of online fitness coaching, monetize your business, scale it up correctly and ask them and hire them as a mentor. It is going to be like most people in life try to draw out their whole life. When the smartest people in life, my mentor always tells me, Daniel, why draw when you could trace and just get creative after you trace the skeleton, just get creative after put your own, like there's everybody has the results in life. Just blueprint it. Like I don't want to make, to me, when I look at business and you're starting a business because I'm young and I didn't want to wait 40, 50 years to have a nice house. I didn't want to wait 30, 40 years to have money. I didn't want to wait 30, 40 years to have this big multi-million dollar business. Like I want it, dude, I want it now. I want, if I'm going to buy a yacht, I want to buy it by the time I'm 35. If I'm going to start a charity, I want to start the charity now while I have energy so I could travel the world and help other people. If I'm going to start a speaking business, I want to do it now when I have all the freaking energy. So I don't want to wait. So the way I see it is smart people learn off their own mistakes in life. Wise people learn off other people's mistakes. If my mentor makes the mistakes, I don't have to make those mistakes. I don't want to be the smart person. I want to be the wise person learning off other people's mistakes. So my easiest tip is find somebody in your industry that has already having the proven results that you want and just blueprint them. And if it takes for you to invest into that person, freaking do it. It's the best investment you can ever, having a coach by your side is by far the best investment you can ever have. I went home. Yeah. It was for me, it was funny, like um, investing in mentorship. Uh, this is something I talked about recently, but it's almost like a fast track for you. You know, we spend, you know, four or five, six years in school and I'm not knocking education by any means, but there are way faster and way better means of getting the right kind of and specific education that you need for exactly what it is that you want to do. And like you said, the wise decision, you know, investing in mentorship is, is so, so important. And um, for you, Daniel, as far as it goes with like your students, your clients, um, I know, you know, obviously with something like even what I provide, what you provide, um, you know, we can be the best and most amazing coaches out there and we can have, you know, such an amazing offer. And one thing that I really wanted to talk about with you because you truly are the master with it is, um, the sales aspect of things. Cause you know, we can have this beautiful offer, but if we're not able to sell to people, then obviously we're not able to create the impact that we wanted to make. Right. So, um, for you, Daniel, I would kind of love to touch a little bit more on, you know, cause you are essentially that mentor figure for people, um, the sales aspect of things. So, you know, a lot of my audience, a lot of them are online health and fitness coaches. Um, and I know even for me still, um, a lot struggle with the sales side of things. So for you, Daniel, I mean, with your students, with your clients, um, I'd love to kind of talk about like the overarching fears and, and things that hold people back in terms of sales. So um, I know for me, a lot of it comes down to like objection handling, money mindset. But I mean, 
as far as it goes with, with you for your students, what are some of like the, the really big things that you see them struggle with that they come to you for? Yeah, great question. I, so when you look at sales, especially like in high ticket selling, um, you always, so when I say high ticket selling again, it's probably a package service or offer online of over, um, 1500 bucks. Let's just say um, for a certain duration of time and your ability in high ticket selling is to offer a program that gets your clients results fast. That's a point of a high ticket um, sales that can transform either three parts of their life, um, their health, their business, or their relationships, health, business, or relationships. People will be willing to pay a high ticket price for that product service or program. Um, when you look at something like that, your the two types. First of all, customers that come into your is either like a slow paced customer or a fast paced customer. What do you mean by that, Dan? A slow paced customer comes into your business and they don't know they have a problem. They don't know they have a problem, but they probably signed up to your ad. They liked you out. They wanted to check you out on Instagram, but they're just coming around and they're just shopping and you get on a phone call with them and you could probably think of those buyers right now. That's a slow paced buyer that got on a phone call with you. The other type of buyer is a fast paced buyer. The fast paced buyer, right when you get on a phone call with them and you're like, why did you decide to take a phone call with me? That person will lift off their challenges and problems like right off the get go. That's a fast paced buyer. Perfectly. So those are the two types of buyers and that'll make sense in a couple minutes. What is like, what is like the core component of high ticket selling? The high ticket selling is the ability to use your skill sets to take your customers from where they are, the current state, to their difficult yet desirable state. That's all it is. Taking your customers from where they are to their difficult yet desired promised land, let's call it. That's it. So there's a gap from where they are to where they truly wanna be. And your job as a sales professional is to come in there, hold their hand, and walk them through that whole journey to the North Star. And the North Star is like their promised land. And their promised land can either be two things. It can either be that person is trying to run away from something or they're trying to run towards something. Meaning there's always two different type of like North stars for every client. And typically people on phone conversations try to sell on autopilot. Meaning one client is just trying to get out of debt while the other client is trying to buy a Lamborghini, buy a house and launch the drip business of their dreams. Those are two different type of people. Like one person is just trying to say like, Hey, if you could show me how I can make like an extra, um, $15,000 a year. I'm good enough with that. But the problem is the salesperson is trying to show them how to launch a dream business and make $10 million when you're speaking the total opposite language of that client. Or do they sound like this? Like, yeah, you know, I'd love to make a million dollars at the end of the year, travel seven times a year. Da, 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 da. So like health coaches, Hey, does a person just want to get back to their old self and run away from their current body and just maybe not want the six pack abs, but just want a flat stomach. Or does a person want like a whole 360 transformation, want the flat stomach, nice body, toned freaking legs, go on the beach. What's their North star? Are they trying to run away from something or are they trying to move towards something? Because that helps when you speak to the client. Because to me, every conversation, sure, has a script, has a fundamental, has a skeleton to it. But it's more of a conversation. I say, don't marry the script, have a conversation. And within that conversation, what you're supposed to do is talk to the client the way they want to be talked to. Sales is nothing about... Let's say if you break down sales, it's 60, 30, 10, meaning 60% of somebody doing business with you is if they like you, if they're like you, or if they want to be like you. Let me say it again. 60% of somebody doing business with you has nothing to do with your product is if they like you, 
if they're like you or if they want to be like you. So if I'm wanting to do business with somebody that's on Instagram and they're like a fitness trainer and they have this amazing body, I'm doing business with them because I want to have their body. Not because I don't even know what their program entails or I'm doing business with this person because I feel like I'm going to like them or I just like that person the way they show up on video and the way they're authentic and the way they're transparent. So that's 60% of sale. 30% is the way you communicate with them. So the language you use throughout the sale, like, Hey, let's get you, let's shred you those extra seven pounds that you told me in the beginning of the conversation. And let's just focus on that for the first 30 days. Let's not do anything crazy. I don't want to pretend like I'm going to get you some crazy ass results. Like, why don't we just focus on those seven pounds right now? And then we'll talk the next game plan. And I'll tell you why I'm going to say this because this calls the specialty factor, the next 10%. So the 30% is the way you communicate with them. The 10% is your program. So the next time you're like, Oh, I got the best fitness program. Oh, I got the best life and coaching program. It doesn't fucking matter because people buy off people they like, want to be like, or they're like 30% of it is the way you communicate with it. 10% is your product service or offering. Trust me, all things being equal in life, people want to do business with their friends. All things being unequal in life, people still want to do business with their friends. So I mentioned something really key here in my high ticket conversations. The number, there's two things that I want coaches to take away from right now. Everybody probably has a script. Everybody has a framework of how you enroll clients on a conversation. I said one thing that was a nugget within that whole 60, 30, 10. It was the you factor. I call it the specialty factor. Whatever they give you, bounce it back to them on a conversation. Meaning like you told me, I want to focus on you, 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 80% you, 20% me. So throughout the whole conversation, I constantly dive deep. I do two things. I call it the you factor and the coaching factor. And this is where coaches are scared. I say, Hey, by the way, do you mind if we just trash what we were just talking for? Like, I know the whole point of this conversation was maybe to see if you're the right fit. Do you mind if I just give you like five minutes of coaching based on what you just said? Cause you told me something and I just like, I just feel cause that's who I am. I'm a coach and I love helping people. I just want to like, let's disregard this whole thing for one second. Do you mind if I just give you five minutes of coaching based on like that, the nutrients you've been taking in for today, what happens here? Most people think selling is just like, oh, let's ask them a few questions. Let's present a program and let's just close out the park. The moment you just said what I said is the first, that's actually the exchange where the client's like, holy fuck, this person's actually like my coach. And most coaches are scared to give five to 10 minutes of advice on a high ticket call. Dude, if you're scared to give five to 10 minutes of advice, you better not even be a coach. Cause what are you going to deliver on the back end? Like you better have like hours of content or hours of advice or programs to offer them, you shouldn't be scared about giving five minutes of advice on the phone. That's where the sale takes place. That's where it's like, so do you mind if I just give you like five minutes of goal setting advice? Cause you told me your goal is a hundred thousand bucks. And I said, how are you going to get to that? And you had no clue. Forget the conversation when we're talking about selling, bro, do you mind if I just coach you for five minutes on how to actually set your goals? Uh, yeah, sure. So you told me a hundred thousand dollars. How much do you have to make a day for a hundred thousand bucks? I have no clue. Perfect. Let's stop. Pause. Let's reverse engineer it. How much do you have to make? a month, how much you have to make a week, how much you have to make per day, how you can make that per day. You told me you want to lose 15 pounds. Can we just stop for a second? Like what's your game plan to lose 15 pounds? You just told me you're doing X, Y, Z. Like what are you cutting out of your life? What are you doing right now? Why didn't you lose the 15 pounds? Like, let me see if I can actually help you here because whether or not I can help you, whether or not you enroll into my program, it's still my duty and obligation to either try to help you or try to point you in the right direction. No, no matter, do you mind if I give you some coaching? Yeah, yeah, please. That's that right there. That's actually it. You learn how to coach your clients on a, you learn how to 
actually give your clients a genuine feel that they can work with you and you're a coach that cares for them. That's all coaching is, by the way. Like you're there to show them tough love, that you care for them. You're there to show them tough love, that you care for them, and you're constantly leveling them up and holding them accountable. That's it. Like my fitness coach lives in London, England. In like, yeah, he lives in London. I was gonna say Brighton. He lives in London, England. I'm going to speak in New York two weeks ago. Like, this is a freaking coach. This is somebody that supports you. This guy flies in from London, England, just to sit front row of one of my talks. He's like, yo, I just wanted to come out and support you. And that to me, that's like, when I look at that, I'm like, I don't care about what he, like, to me, that's like, holy shit, this guy actually cares about me. He's like, dude, I want to support you. And I'm, I just wanted to do a session with you one-on-one. -on -one. I know you're busy. You're always traveling. He's like, when we're at the hotel that morning, before you go speak on stage, let's just bang out like a one hour workout session. Like to me, I'm like, by the way, Sammy, bro, like no matter what happens, like even if my wife ends up being a fitness trainer, and that's the girl I marry, I will not give her my business. You're the man, bro, that I want to work with for the rest of my life. So that ability to understand that your ability to coach on a coaching call or a discovery call or a strategy session, to me, that's the selling point right there. That's the transfer of energy where they're like, I like this guy. Does she come with the program? Does he come with the program? Like, yeah. Oh, she does. I want to work with that person. I like that person. Wow. I agree 100%. And I think a lot of that shows up with, with confidence, you know, and, and being confident in, in what you're actually doing. So, um, for you too, Daniel, as far as it goes with that confidence aspect of things, um, when it comes to the sale, what kind of mindset do you think that people really have to step into a call with, um, in order to be successful with that? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I mean, the ability to manage your emotions in sales, like the differentiation between somebody that's an amateur or professional sales rep is the ability to manage your emotions through sales completely. That's it. Like the differentiation between you being good on a sales call or you being horrific on a sales call is how you deal with your emotions. Meaning like, how do you deal with a, let me think about it. How do you deal with, a, I don't have money. How do you deal when the client doesn't text you back for three days? It's the same thing. Like, yo guys that are watching this man. And you're like, Oh, the girl doesn't text me back for like four days. Like what are the emotions when people don't give you the attention and the, the service that you want in return or the reciprocation? Like what are your emotions throughout that whole journey? Because the, the person that has the ability to manage them and be mature about them and keep calm, cool, and collected throughout the whole process is typically the person that wins. So again, like think of the last time somebody said no to you that said, no, I don't want to go on a date with you. No, I don't want to buy your program. No, it's way too expensive. Um, no, I don't have the money or they're not answering your follow-up texts. How did you feel? Are you operating in a point of scarcity? Are you operating in a point of abundance? Are you operating in a point of like, Oh shit, I need to close out the deal. No man, do you get like, do you get, do you start arguing with the client? Are you on the same terms with them? Like, what is your emotion throughout the sale? Now you're like, okay, cool, Dan, we get it. It's emotions. How do you control those emotions? I live in tight day by day compartments, meaning I think the most beautiful point of a human being, and just even aside from sales, is the ability to be present with anybody in life. And, and I'm going to flip this in sales as well. Um, and the ability to be present with anybody, whether it's at it, cause like anytime you're present with somebody, like you're always vibrating at such a higher level. It's like, if you're with lunch with somebody and you had the best lunch with them, think why you had the best fucking lunch with them. Cause you and that other person, girl or guy was just like in perfect freaking frequencies. You guys were vibrating at the same level, but you both neglected the phones and you were both present with each other. You had the jokes going on and everything like this. So the ability to be present comes from your ability to let go of yesterday. And do two things. 
not judge the person from who they were yesterday, number one. And don't think about what happened 10 minutes ago, one hour ago, one day ago, one month ago, whether it was with that person or any other situation in your life. It's to completely just like release everything that happened and be like, I'm going to be with this person for one hour and I'm going to give them my full undivided attention. I'm not going to judge this person from the last conversation that we had. I'm not going to judge this person from the last lunch that we went out. Like I'm just going to be open arms, no judging and let go of yesterday. So I live in tight compartments, meaning the moment before I get on a sales call, I'm like, okay, what's all the bad shit I'm thinking about in my head right now? Let's delete it. I'm not going to get on this call. Like I will literally like Kendall, I will stop sales calls. I will not take the call. If there's some bullshit going on in my head saying like, Oh man, like, dude, how did you like, man, I can't believe like, you lost a woman of your dreams and that's constantly going in my head. I'm not bringing that into my sales conversation, nor am I bringing my sales conversations into my personal life, whether it's family relationship or friends, like there has to be sales separation and life separation. So first of all, I get into my compartment. What is all the shit that's going through my head? Let's try to release it, release it, release it. I, I know to sell is to serve and I'm doing these people a favor. And I start telling myself like, Hey, listen, you're getting on the call to do these people a favor. And if you can't sell at the highest levels possible, you cannot serve at the highest levels possible. And you know, you have a good program and you know what you have a good service. Let's get rid of everything in your head. Number one, number two, I look at my goals to get motivated. So before our phone call comes in, I do a few things, separate everything. Okay. I'm in my zone. Number one, number two, what is my daily weekly and monthly goal? And I just write it down and I look at it. I just look at it and I'm like, okay, boom, my goals are right in front of me. Perfect. Third thing I do, hey Daniel, by the way, I just want to let you know that every conversation starts with a no. And the moment they give you the first no, that's when your sale starts. So it doesn't start when you say, hi, how's the dog? Oh, where do you live? Nice. You live in LA. That's not where the sale starts. The sale starts when they're like, let me think about it. You know that Daniel? Perfect. You're not going to get upset when they say, let me think. Like I am literally having this internal conversation with myself. Sale starts when they say no. It is not a sales conversation when you're just talking about their dog and their cat and talking about your fitness program. It's once they say no. That's when the sales start. Are you ready to hear 15 no's and an F you? I don't want to buy your program. Yes. Perfect. Whoa. Um, people are probably like, this guy's crazy. So you get on the phone call and what happens is your emotions, your brain is like a switchboard. So when you hear no, there's a wire that you've been programmed with from a very young age. The moment you hear no, think of your brain as a switchboard, that wire, that circuit, the moment you hear no, automatically when that no flicks on it's negative emotions. Oh, they don't want to buy it. That's automatically what you think. Cause when you heard no, when you were young, you're like, I can't get it. The moment your parents told you, no, it's like, yeah, I'm not getting it. The moment the girl told you, no, you're like, yeah, I, it's useless. Like I'm not getting it. I was on the plane coming back into my city and, uh, I'm sitting down, um, behind in front behind this gentleman with this girl, this girl sits down with this guy. And I'm bored. I'm eavesdropping like every human being does if they have nothing to do. So I'm sitting down, like I had my AirPods and I took it off. I'm like, oh, dude, this guy, this guy's, you know, hitting on this girl. Cool. Like, let's see how this guy does. Like, I'm interested. And um, I'm sitting down and the guy's doing, they have a great back and back, like forth conversation going back to back. He's asking her questions. They're laughing on the plane out loud. And it was a quick plane ride. It was like 45 minutes. So they had a 45 minute conversation, like totally laughing. They're good. They go to the overhead and the guy's going to grab his stuff, um, his luggage. Why did I just forget the name? What do you, anyways, wherever you get your luggage out of the plane, whatever the top compartment's called, um, they're both going to get their luggages and they're walking out and he's helping her get her luggage down. He's like, hey, by the way, 
He's like, since you live here and I'm just moving here, like literally right now, he's like, why don't we go out for dinner? And then she looks at him. I'm like, okay, so here's a cracking point. She looks at him. And the moment I seen her, I squint and she was like this. And I knew what she was, she was going to pull bullshit out of her mouth in like two and a half seconds. I'm like, is she going to pull the boyfriend line? What line is she going to pull? Um, because I know she wouldn't be saying the things. And this was me like deep eavesdropping. If she was in a real relationship, guys should have known this already. She should have been dropping things if she was in like a real tight relationship. So if she drops a boyfriend line, she's probably lying. So I'm thinking of all these things. Is she going to drop? And then she's like, oh my God. She's like, I'd love to. But she's like, I'm just super, super busy for the next month. Right? Just giving the guy the odd no, like, you know, just the normal. She's like, I love to, but I'm super, super busy because the guy asked for a number. And then she's like, I have like thousands of people text me. She started making up all this bullshit. And the guy's like, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So she leaves. I'm like, and I go up to the dude. I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'm not like some dating coach. I'm not like some fucking pickup coach. I don't do any of that. But I'm like, dude, you spent 45 minutes. You guys had the absolute best conversation. You guys were like high flying. And like all she wanted towards that ending conversation, because you asked with, no confidence. And you were like, that was like, you kind of timid it down. Did you not feel it? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, the moment you asked her for her number, her for the clothes in a conversation, the girls are probably hating Daniel right now. They're like, Daniel, what are you, what are you talking? Like, I'm like, the moment you ask for the money, dude, the moment you ask for the number, you start to shy your head away because you felt like it was unethical or whatever. And I'm going to tie this in sales. I'm like, and then when she said no, it became even worse because she didn't feel the confidence. I'm like, dude, if you know every girl wants a guy that's fucking confident when they're asking for something, and they, they want that in life. That's what the girl wants. Like, would you not agree? She's like, yeah. And, and then he's like, so what do you mean? I'm like, the moment she said no, you just let her have that no. And then he's like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm like, this is, dude, this is where it all starts. I'm like, it already started as a no before you met her. I'm like, you got the whole first part done. You engage with her. Like every sales conversation starts with a no right? I'm like, you already engage with her, which is the best part. So if you're thinking, should I go up to the customer and ask them to be my customer? Listen, they're already not your customer. The worst that happens is they say no. If you're at the gym and you like the girl and you're like, oh, maybe I'll go up to her when I'm like, my biceps are like 17 inches. Dude, listen, listen, I get it. She's fit. And maybe you're not at her level and you're not as fit as her, but it's already a no. So you go up to her. She says, no, who cares? Or you're never going to get her anyhow, because there's going to be a guy that comes in because you're going to wait three years or two years or six months. If you don't have a great fitness coach like Kendall, you're going to wait five years to get fit. And then you're going to notice that she's dating a guy that's twice the fucking size of you in belly and not muscle. And you're like, what the fuck happened? So, so I'm like, dude, I'm like, anyways, I enrolled him into my high ticket selling course. I'm like, okay, you got to come in, man. You got, you got to come in my course. Anyways. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But I gave him some, uh, I gave him some pointers about like objection handling. I'm like, here's the deal. In objections in selling, let's and I and I want to give this off to your audience. Number one, everything starts off with a no, but that's where the sale starts. Number two, always agree. That's like the fundamental. Always agree. And you can use words like I understand, I appreciate that, I agree with you. So Daniel, um, I don't like you, I don't want to go out with you because you're way too fucking loud and you just got way too much. I agree with you. I understand, I can appreciate that. Or like, hey, listen, your prices are way too high, I don't have the money. I agree with you. I can appreciate that. Let me think about it. I can understand. Why is Daniel saying like start off an agreement? Because the moment you start off of anything else in agreement, you start to get into like that argumentative side and it gets a bit awkward. When you start in agreement, it, it levels off the whole conversation. So when somebody says, let me think about it, or your prices are too high and you say, I agree with you. They're like, oh, okay. This person kind of understands me. Like I'm buying real estate and I'm like, yo, bro, like I don't want to buy this house. It's like way too expensive. And I'll shopping for homes for another property to buy here. And the guy's like, dude, this is like the best.
automatically he got into like an argument with me when I'm like, yo, you could just agree with me and just say this home is pretty expensive. What do you want? Or like, just get on the same term as me as a buyer. Like when objections hit, people like get into like this weird state where they have to become defensive. When in reality, I just said it starts off with a no. Expect to let me think about it. So let me think about it. I can appreciate that. Agree with him. Most people use this term after, but never use but. But negates whatever you just said. But negates your agreement. So if you say I agree with you, but you just negated your agreement. If you say I agree with you and like if I were to say but, if I'm going to this beautiful gala with like my future wife and she has this beautiful like polka dotted dress on, she's like, honey, how does this dress look? And I'm like, babe, it, it looks phenomenal, but I just negated the whole phenomenal comp compliment. She, like, she's gonna be like, but what? Like, fucking tell me, like, how does it look? Like, you don't like it? Is it too short? I'm gonna be like, man, they lied at you at the store. I don't think it looks that great on you, but anyway. So don't ever say, but if you want to give off your opinion, cause they're never going to lift it. Or if you want to handle the objection, agree. And so I can appreciate that. And let me think about it. Your price is too high. I agree with you. And you know what? Like a lot of my best clients right now in the initial stages said the exact same thing um, about my price behind. Can I ask you a question? Yes. I always permission to ask questions. Do you mind if I ask you a question? Yes. Um, tell me a little bit more about when you say the price is too high. Like, what do you really mean by that? Well, because now they're going to open up. This is called uncovering the bare naked truth of the objection. Let me think about it. The prices to, does this make sense, Kendall? Yeah. Yeah. Oops. Okay. Like, let me think about it. Um, the price is too high. That might not be the objection. It might be something else. Like they might have to talk to their spouse that, like, you don't know what it is until you uncover the bare naked truth. So when you say the price is too high, Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that. Like, I want to know what you mean by that. What do you mean by that? The price is too high because I realize the price is the biggest fucking myth in the world. Coaches, consultants that are watching that are hearing this. Um, if anybody were to come up to you and say, Hey, listen, um, I can't afford the 3000 bucks. Let me tell you something. The person that complained about your $3,000 coaching program is the same person that complained that morning buying their $8 espresso shot, macchiato, venti, da, 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 da. They complained about it, but they still bought it. And they still complain about it, but they still buy it. It's the same thing. People will always complain about price, no matter what. My best customers till today will still be like, they'll, they'll always say, man, the price was so expensive, but I'm so glad that I bought it. Like they'll always complain about price, no matter what. But I want to get down to the bare naked truth. So let me know what you mean by like the price is too high. What do you mean by that? Well, really like, you know, I have $1,700 in my bank account and I have to talk to my husband. Oh, okay. So it, it's not that it's too high because you got me offended. I, I thought my prices were like ridiculous. It's just that like right now you just don't have the resources to invest in the program. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And you talked about your husband. Like now I'm uncovering the bare naked truth of the objection. It wasn't price too high. Cause then what has happened to a salesperson? They literally go back and tell their friends, man, my $12,000 coaching package. It's too high. Let's drop it by half. No, bro. There was another way for you to work with that client if you just ask them a couple quick questions and just know that your prices are actually probably too low and you should jack them up double. Anyways, so let me know what you think. Like, let me tell, like, let me ask you, like, what do you mean by the price is too high? Oh, you know, blah, 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 I invested in a program before. And then the whole conversation directs, oh, so you've done fitness coaching before. Oh, nice. How did that work out for you? Yeah, it didn't really work out for you. Oh, so now this is a point of trust and it's not really about price. So now it's like either you have to trust me or you have problems trusting yourself. Like you're, 
Like if you're, this changed the conversation now. Now it's like, hey, listen, either you don't trust me as a fitness trainer, then I'm going to get you the results that we talked about on the phone, or you don't trust that you're going to be committed and engaged on the phone. Or sorry, on, on the training, on the training that you're going to go through. Which one is it? Do you trust me or you don't trust yourself? Well, really, um, yeah, last time I went through it, um, I didn't have time and my husband was disappointed that I invested 3000 bucks. Oh, now it's moving to like, if you just keep asking questions, why, why the best word to ever use when you get an objection, agree, transition with and, and then the easiest thing to use is why, why will always open somebody up? Like everybody used to, use why as a kid, why is the grass green? Why is the sky blue? Blah, blah, blah. And you stop using it when you get into business and sales, when it's the number one thing to ask a client, why? And they'll keep elaborating more on their problems. And then you could use those as ammunition to be like, Hey, listen, okay. So to me, it's not about if you have the resources it's about becoming resourceful. And I know maybe you don't have a thousand bucks. Is there any way we can get resourceful and say like, maybe, you know, put it on two different cards or if I split the payments up, if I would do that, would that help you? If I could split them right now, you pay half up front or half later. Like if coaches, if you're not doing that, maybe implement it to your business. I don't try to turn business away because of money. So explore the objection. The next time you get an objection, be like, wait, I remember what that guy, that crazy guy on the podcast, Daniel said, let me just spend 15 minutes on this objection and act as like the psychiatrist and keep asking why, what, why is it that you can't afford it? Tell me a little bit more about your situation. Let's get personal. Tell me a little bit more about the relationship you have with your husband. Have you made these decisions before with your husband? Right? How do you, how would you feel when you make a $3,000 decision? Like how would that make your husband? I don't want to create a divorce between you guys. So should we get him on the phone? Like explore everything. That's your job. Yeah. That's what's going to differentiate you between coaches. That's, I was going to say, I think that's what's so important is a lot of people as coaches, like that is our job. Like our job is to find what your true fear is, bring that out of you and help you find a solution for it. So you right. know, support, um, like you said, even doing the five minutes of coaching on the call, that's almost essentially, you know, kind of goes hand in hand. You're kind of coaching them through it and that fear that they truly right. have. Um, cool. So I, I kind of wanted to ask you too, Daniel, um, you know, because obviously you help people get into closing and you help them uh, help coaches close. So as far as it goes with actually, you know, bringing on a closer, um, at what point in your business or in anyone's business, would you say would be a good idea to bring on like a sales, a salesperson or someone to help you close? Yeah, that's a great, that's an awesome question. Um, if you're a coach, consultant or entrepreneur, Kendall's basically saying like, I'm the business owner and it's like, yo, I'm closing the best cause I know my product the best. And the hardest thing to do is like, when do I outsource myself from time aspect? And am I confident enough to even do that? Because I know I could close at the best. Like think of scaling yourself in sales. It's kind of difficult because you're like, yo, I know my product best. I don't feel like a sales rep is going to close better than me. And the truth is being a sales agency owner, probably no sales trainer is going to say this. I fucking agree with you saying business owners can close the best deals better than any sales rep on the controversy you'll always be trading your time in for money. So salespeople are the best investment towards your company. So at one point you got to look down and say, okay, this is good. I'm making five to 10,000 bucks a day in packages and selling that. But like, I truly and honestly can't be in a beach in Mexico because I got to keep selling. So like, I got to get comfortable with building that person up to my level and be okay with taking like a one month hit from going to 30,000 to like $20,000 to eventually be like, oh my God, now I could scale out. Now I could truly be in Mexico and in Bali and in Africa and somebody's closing with me. Um, I would say this, the point where you know is where you've already sold six figures yourself as a coach. So you already sold $100,000 proven process 
and you understand the sales process and you understand that your business model is proven. So you're at a hundred thousand dollars plus in revenue. Um, you at least have three to five booked meetings per day come into your calendar, whether it's organic or paid traffic. Um, three to five booked meetings. You have maybe paid ads coming in. You have a funnel set up an application link set up and you have proven the process. At what point is it good to hire a closer? I would say the point where you could take half the meetings per day for the first month and they could take half. So three and three split. They could watch your calls throughout the day as well. Um, but you're there to train them for the first full month and they're watching your calls or joining your calls and everything like this. If you have over five book meetings and you or three to five book meetings and you've already sold a hundred thousand dollars, you probably want to look right and say, wait, what am I best at? Like I get it. I'm great at sales, but I need to work with my clients one-on-one. -on -one. I need to generate some more business, drum up more business, post more content on my Instagram, keep doing my videos and everything like this. Like I need to scale this out at one point cause I'm still trading my time in for money. Am I at the point of a hundred thousand bucks? Have I proved my business model? Do I have at least three meetings a day? So my closer gets really frequent and really good because sales is all about frequency. You get better as you do more sales. Can I provide them that much frequency? And that's it. And when you, you are ready, I would hire people that not only are salespeople that are familiar with your industry, meaning like just don't hire like the guy that has, or the girl that has like this, like that is, has the gift of the gap. I would hire people. I align people in my agency that have similar skill sets, talents, and raw materials tailored towards that entrepreneur, fitness coach, and thought leader. Like if you're a life coach, I try to find somebody that understands maybe a bit of limiting beliefs, mental robots or anything. If you're a fitness coach, I try to find somebody that was like a one-on-one -on -one fitness coach and then wants to be maybe like a fitness coach like yourself, but gets into high ticket sales space and starts selling for you. I try to tailor up people in perfect alignment to industry to industry. And that's the best way because you could teach sales. It is super, super difficult to teach product and get convicted into one product. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's hard for me to say, because like I'm an agency owner and I would love to outsource like 4 million sales reps to 4 million coaches. But the truths are, the truth is if, if I like, if I give Kendall like two closers and those reps are not successful, Kendall's not successful. I'm not successful. So it really matters of what reps I'm giving to what trainers, coaches, and consultants. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's such a great, it's such a great place to finally outsource. I think it, um, it, it gets rid of a lot of overwhelm. I think it's something that, you know, a lot of people are, are scared to do. Um, like you said, because of obviously, you know, the percentage of sales, your conversion rates, everything might change up a little bit, but I think it's kind of like an energy exchange where you have to think about it. Like, what do you truly want to prioritize right now? Are you okay with taking that blow for a little bit? So that eventually, like you said, you know, chilling on a beach in Mexico. Um, right. Right. On top of that, I know a lot of people, like we kind of talked about earlier, you know, sales is one of those things where it's kind of like their drag down. So um, if you can outsource it, then you're able to focus more on your zone of genius, which is like the best thing in the world. Um, you'll know, right. obviously you have a more successful business. You'll be able to, like you said, put more stuff into like your content um, and provide more for your client, which ultimately is the most important thing in your business. So amazing, Daniel. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here today and spitting some some amazing knowledge out to my audience. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we'll tell everybody really quick um, where we can find you because I want people to know, you know, where they can go. To, to yeah, get um, the easiest and most simplest way that I'm typically on and I answer these messages directly is on Instagram. So you could type in at Daniel Guaranya. And I know that last name sounds like some spaghetti lasagna stuff. So it's D-A-N-I-E-L last name. G-U-A-R-A-G-N-A, -A -A, Daniel Guaranya, and 
hit me up, send me a message. If you want some more tips, tricks, strategies, be like, yo, I vibe the podcast. You're wicked. Yo, I need a closer. Sure. I'll recommend you guys some people. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Daniel.